This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is underwritten by Syraclad. The Syraclad Rainscreen Fiber Cement Siding System, a proven track record of performance in Japan for nearly 40 years. Zero chemicals, triple coated and factory finished color layering. The ceramic and photocatalytic coat provides 365 day self-cleaning and a 20 year fade limited warning. This high performance siding system serves as an honored innovation with parent company Panasonic and Kubota. For more information, please visit Syraclad.com. For our guest today, we're, uh, I'm super thrilled and honored to uh, welcome John Dela Cruz, owner, principal of the award-winning Dela Cruz Architecture, Interior, and Design. John uh, is, creates world-class interiors that are truly unique for each project and each client. Over the past 20-plus years, John's worked with the Bay Area's top design firms, successfully leading, leading projects, including, you know what, John, I'm going to do something different. Share with the pro- some of the projects you've done in the Bay Area, even in the, the world, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. Well, um, our firm is mostly residential, but we also do a lot of restaurants and hospitality. Uh, we most currently uh, recently finished the Hotel Castro, um, which is one of the first hotels in the Castro neighborhood that um, has been built from the ground up. We worked with Cass Calder Smith on that, and that's a, a little 12-room boutique hotel on Collingwood and 18th. Uh, we did Que Fico, which is um, a restaurant on Divisadero, and uh, we're currently working with them now on two other projects in, uh, in and around Stanford on at El Camino. So uh, that's going to be fun for the for the neighborhood. <laughs> um, I've also done Protege, which is also in Palo Alto on California Street. That's a, a mission starred fine dining establishment. Um, with comfort food, if, if anything, I can I can describe it as high level comfort food. Um, so we're all over the place, and then we do lots of houses in Atherton and San Francisco. We've gone as far out as Hawaii and as far west as uh, Washington D.C. We work with developers out there to restore and uh, upgrade uh, historic row houses without butchering them too jo- much and making know, them current. For yeah. your audience, you can find them on the web at uh, DL. CID.com. Again, that's DL. That's correct. Yeah. DLCID.com. John, share with us your uh, your quote, your mantra, your system, your process, however you want to call it, whatever it is. It's actually brilliant. And I'm sure your audience will want to hear it. Is your uh, four words. Share with them what, you, what, what you've gotten, kind of, um, kind of the essence of what you do. Well, whenever we get a new project, whether it be residential or hospitality, we always try to apply my four words to them to make sure that we're always um, doing the right thing. Quality, beauty, creativity, and intention so that we're not just decorating for decorating's sake and not just doing things that are pretty, but we're also, A, doing things of quality, making things, producing things that are adding to the world, not really just uh, polluting it. Um, making it beautiful, obviously, because that's part of the aesthetic of what we do. 
uh, making sure that we're coming up with a creative solution to what the problem is or what the need is and not just regurgitating something fast and, and, and easy. And that we're sticking to the intention of what the, what the solution is seeking, like um, making sure that everything has its purpose and it has its function. Um, so, and that really just, again, applies to residential and hospitality and, and restaurants and in offices. It's how do we add to the world and make it a better place by doing something meaningful? Add to the world. As I shared at the beginning of the show there, your internet, planetary recognition, international, that for sure for your, all your work. So how do you, at what point in your life did you just have that mindset to have, to see and envision a space before it became what it is? I mean, that, that definitely starts in the mind's eye and an imagination and reimagining. Well, I'm quite an inter- introvert, so there's a lot that's going on in my head at, the, at, at, <laughs> okay. at once, and so that's why it's sometimes hard for me to, to eloquate it into words. I love to draw. I love to shop. I think we talked about this the last yeah. time we sat down together and chatted. So, you know, in my mind, being able to envision something and put it onto paper with a, a pen, and then also to go out and find and seek solutions that are out there to help kind of fill in the rest of that story that I've envisioned on paper. So, uh, again, it's just an overactive imagination and, and, the, and the creative hand to be able to sketch out what I see in my head. Like you said, add to the world. And, and in my opinion, and it's going to seem like I'm uh, patting you on the back or uh, or more, <laughs> but uh, there's not a space that you, ha- you, you haven't beautified. Is that part of the intention? Well, obviously, you mentioned the beauty, creativity, intuitive intention, and the quality. What's it like when your project is finished to you to see the look on the faces of your clients? Well, that's, again, that's always the most rewarding, and I think that's why I do it, because I always feel, uh, I always have this, like, secret need for recognition and and, 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 uh, (laughs) knowing that I did a good job. Um, being able to sit down with the client, listen to their needs, look at a raw space, and then to be able to build an environment for them with furniture, interior finishes, soft goods, and be able to put it together and meet their expectations and then exceed them and make their way, uh, make their way of life that much more beautiful, whether it be more organized or, um, you know, prettier or just more efficient being able to do that and have them lead a more comfortable life is, you know, the things that I'm always looking for. Just knowing that I've, I've done that good job. Let's touch on this. What you said, make their life more beautiful. There's a, a bit of a spiritual quality to it. From what I'm, my opinion, what's your thought on that? Well, I think um, you, you get the brief from them. Oh, this wants to be a bedroom or this house wants to be, our our comfortable weekend home and we have two dogs and three kids and we'll need you know x number of beds and we'll need a kitchen that can cook for eight and we'll need a dining you know you you get the program and then you get to understand their style and what they see in your style and why you want to work together but there's always like a little 10 to 15 percent extra that i want to throw in there that makes them understand my value and understand what 
working with an architect or an interior designer affords them. And, and it's just that extra layer of, again, organization, efficiency, beauty, um, bringing them access to finishes and, and stone and, and paint and things that they never thought that they wanted, but when they see it, they love it. And they knew that it should have, you know, it should have been in their preview the whole time to surprise them a little bit, but also give them what they ask for. How do you, this might be secret Intel, but how do you quantify <laughs> the value of what, of what it is you do? Because so much of it is obviously meant it, mental that you're imagining and then you're reimagining and you, you can't itemize it like a like a mechanic with a vehicle well after 20 years I, i'm a bit of a wanderlust so i travel a lot and i have that visual memory of going to as many different places as i possibly can to see different cultures and 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 taste different foods and see different locations and and, and understand what the world has to offer not just what the area and what where i grew up so I have that visual vocabulary. And then I also, again, I read a lot. I watch a lot of TV. So there's always this kind of movie or documentary in my head whenever I approach a project. And, and then I listen to what their needs are. So that 25 years of travel plus the 25 years of experience working on other projects and knowing what works and what doesn't work and being able to have failed so many times to actually succeed now and be able to have a, a shorthand of understanding what they're asking for and what the project needs and what is going to make a, a beautiful, successful outcome. So that's, I, I guess that's how I quantify it. It's my experience, <laughs> both in life and with work. The uh, meets or exceeds share with us where that, if there's a place that that comes from, or that's just this, an expectation for yourself. It's just always an expectation for myself. I've always grown up knowing an A minus wasn't enough or an A wasn't enough. There's always a way to get an A plus and you just have to constantly do better. And I'm always learning and I'm always trying to challenge myself to meet or exceed my own expectations and my own experience and, and continue to learn and grow and, and be a better interior designer, interior architect, and, you know, trying to make spaces that are, again, with all of this construction and all of the consuming that we're doing and building, I want to make sure that we're building something that's not going to get torn down in five years. We were, we're, you know, standing the test of time and really contributing to the way people live and society at large. Outstanding. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest today is John De La Cruz, owner, principal of the award-winning De La Cruz Architecture, Interior, and Design. Find them. Uh, you can find them on the web at dlcid.com. That's dlcid.com. John, the uh, if you talk about the, but the uh, that essence that you you bring there, you, I've never heard anyone say an A minus or an A can be brought up to an A plus. Wow, <laughs> I don't even know how to go off of that. Well, I was raised with very strict parents, so <laughs> okay. Can always do better. So that was instilled, huh? That was instilled in you. <laughs> so are your clients A plus as well? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, I think uh, 
when you work with clients, it's, it's a relationship for sure. It's like you're dating. You're, you're getting to know each other and you're getting along and you're, and you're understanding how to listen to each other and communicate with each other and ultimately, you know, give them a house that they live in or a restaurant that they run or, you know. So in a sense, it's constantly... Uh, remind me again what the question was. <laughs> About the the A the A plus the c- clients are A plus as well. Uh, at least in the, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my clients. Uh, I don't think that they would like working with me if they didn't understand me a little bit and understand my process as well. So again, it's a two way street. And um, if I approach every project with an A plus attitude, I think that the clients are going to appreciate that and also want an A plus project. At what point did you? know that design was more of a calling than something you backed into? Oh, it's because for a lack of uh, anything better, anything better than I am good at, for sure. (laughs) I think um, I'm not really good at hard math, but I'm really good at geometry and and simple math. Um, Again, I love to draw, but I'm not very good at drawing people. I'm very good with drawing with a ruler and a triangle. Um, I love to shop, but I'm also not excessively wealthy, so I need to spend other people's money. And again, all of my interests with the travel and, and, and the idea about being creative with color and, and the materials and the drawing with the ruler and the shopping, it's a, it's a confluence uh, that I luckily stumbled upon in, in, in interior design and architecture. I get to use all of those, those gifts, and I don't have to use the ones that I'm not very good at, like trigonometry or uh, <laughs> uh, chemistry. What's your experience? I'd love to hear your take on uh, drawing. I don't know about it versus computer or CAD or uh, what's your thought on that? Uh, you mean hand drawing versus yes, yeah, hand drawing, the tactile. Uh, it's, it's the same. Honestly, really? um, it's just, I think when you learn to draw by hand, you learn habits and you learn skills and you learn technique. But the process of communicating visually onto paper is the same as with CAD. You just have to learn the process. So I always say if you're not good at hand drafting and communicating a set of drawings with the, with a pencil, you're never going to be good at it with CAD. Mm. It, it, it's not that much easier because it's still being able to say – and do the process and the technique and, and having that language. And there's also an attention span that involves like how much detail you put into a drawing. And it's the same with a pencil as it is with a computer. You can spend hours or you can spend five minutes. Perfect segue, the attention span. How important do you feel that is time management to your process and to your work? Oh, um, hundred percent. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, especially when you build clients by the hour, they're not going to want to say, see a bill that says it took me four hours to find the, the perfect curtain fabric, even though it might, but that's why you have to multitask and then, you know, pull from lots of different uh, mind streams to get the job done. Um, nor do they want to see that it took you eight hours to draw a cabinet. Um, but I think your experience and being able to pull from different resources all at the same time and to be able to say, I designed this room and it took me three days and it has all of those elements in it. 
that's the way you manage your time and, and being able to um to know when to build them and know when it's just you <laughs> being creative. <laughs> um, sometimes too, when you have too long to design something, it, it starts to dilute the actual product. So sometimes I will even limit myself and say, okay, let's give a, a you have two hours to come up with the floor plans for this, you know, two bedroom house. And you look at it and you stick with it. And sometimes your initial gut reaction is actually how you should uh, kind of manage your time and then come back. And then, you know, that you're going to go over it with the client. You're going to go over it with the contractor and that's how you adjust. And that's how you spend the extra time developing it as opposed to spending eight hours doing it and then have everyone else come in and then make you change it anyway. Would you say constraints are actually helpful? Oh yeah. For creatives. Absolutely. Deadlines. <laughs> Deadline. Yeah, for sure. Constraints, time limits. Um, Cause again, you could as a creative and if you enjoy and love what you do, like I do, I can spend all day doing this <laughs> and you'll have 12 different versions when you only really need to. Yeah. <laughs> How how have you streamlined that in the last, say, several years, especially with the COVID? How, how have you had to work and streamline that process? Well, uh, again, the more work I have, I have to kind of think about, we have, you know, a dozen and a half people in the office, and they need a certain, if I have 10 hours a day to work, and I've got 12 people in the office and six people remote, and then I'm also working on my own smaller projects. I kind of mentally partition. Okay, I'm going to give everyone 15 to 20 minutes. Especially with creatives, too. Sometimes if you meet for 45 minutes to an hour, no one's paying attention for the last 35 minutes. <laughs> so I, I kind of block my day in 15-minute increments, and I kind of uh, move from thing to thing, project to project, item to item, and, and, and that's how we can kind of collaborate and then move on. And that actually kind of cross-pollinates. If, if we're doing lots of different things, the end you can come back and look at your day, and then you can look at all the things that you've done. and They kind of carry on from project to project, and it makes everything have a little more bigger. I love that. I've not heard that until you mentioned it, John, is the block in 15 minutes increments. Is that something you discovered on your own, or did you learn that? Oh, well, I will. I usually, you know... I've learned that I barely have the attention span to sit through a 45 to an hour meeting. And most of the time, especially with COVID and especially with the Zoom meetings that happen and then just not being able to meet in person and connect with people on a physical level, people only pay attention to the first 10 or 15 minutes. And in an hour meeting, the more people that are in there, most of the time, most of those minutes don't really apply to every single person. It just applies to one-fifth or one-sixth of the, of, of, of the quorum, so... When on a personal level in the office, the way we work together, it's like, let's sit down for 10, 15 minutes, move on. You can go do the work, come back and we can meet again. How do you feel that that, it, it, this is a loaded question, but how do you feel that working in person may be more effective than always online? Well, in terms of interior design and architecture, it's such a visceral collaborative experience. You have to touch the materials. You have to understand how people use the chair. You have to understand how people um, feel the space and, 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 the, and 
react to the light and the dark. And so, yeah, we can, a lot of it can be done via conference calls, but at the end of the day, to be a hundred percent successful, you have to physically be in the space because it's the end user in the, in, in the built environment and how you ultimately feel and how it, how you react and how you use the space. So it has to be in person to a point. This is excellent show, John. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our public service announcement for today's show, John's show, is the Trevor Project. Two decades ago, they responded to a health crisis. Now they're building a safer, more inclusive world. LGBTQ young people are four times more likely to attempt suicide, and suicide remains the second leading cause of death among all young people in the United States. For more information, feel free to visit the Trevor Project. Dot org. Again, that's the trevorproject.org. We're talking today with John De La Cruz, world-renowned owner and principal of the award-winning De La Cruz Architecture and Design Firm. You can find them on the web at dlcid.com. That's dlcid.com. I'm going to go back if you will, John, back to that word beauty and then really what it means to you. You described it in, in, in your beginning of your show, but if you can go as in depth as possible, what does beauty mean to you? Oh, that's a hard one because it <laughs> so, means something different to everyone. Sure. <laughs> and uh, it's certainly the eye of the beholder as you, as you hear. Um, beautiful in my opinion in my field for what we do for clients combines functionality with a little bit of nostalgia and familiarity coupled with a little bit of aspiration um, and surprise. So if we can create a space that has all of those things, I think that's what makes it beautiful for our clients. And that's something that most clients would hire us to do to create that space that's beautiful for them, that's comfortable for them, that's functional for them, that reminds them of home or a place where they, you know, fondly felt like was a beautiful place or their nostalgic view of what beauty is also has a little bit of surprise or they see something unexpected that sparks more ideas of beauty in their head that they've never seen before. So it's a little mix of the past, the future, and functionality and comfort. Yeah, this might be the second or third time I brought back to the A plus, but I think it's really relevant <laughs> to this. Is how are you able to? And maybe you haven't been asked this question before, but how are you able to bring a sense of warmth and uh, timelessness to an A plus, which an A plus almost sounds sterile. Um, but you're able to, in your work that I've seen of your work, you're able to bring it to life. Uh, is there a process, a formal one, or just just who you are? Well, specifically to interiors, I think that that plus uh, is that layer of surprise that I keep talking about, that layer of unexpected. And sometimes it's even um, not, it's imperfect. That plus what brings it over and makes it better than what they exceeded is like just tweaking something a little bit to make it not exactly, you know, 
buttoned down and tied up and and mm-hmm. and, 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 and laced and, 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 and pressed. It's just that little slight imperfection that makes it that much more beautiful, that much more um, usable or comfortable or friendly or approachable. Um, in, a, in a space like you could create a, a beautiful on concept period room and then it just feels like a museum because everything is well selected and very um, very much predictive, predictable to the program and the style. But then if you just tweak it a little bit like a piece of modern art or an unexpected flash of color or just a piece of furniture that makes it um, anachronous with the other period of the room in terms of like timing or, or usage, that imperfection might also make it the A plus that um, we seek. Wow. You're actually seek to seeking, seeking and accepting imperfection as a part of the whole. Imperfection with intention. <laughs> oh, thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. We'll go back to you know some of the projects you're doing. If you're at liberty to share some of your, you know your most recent projects, you may have at the beginning, but love to hear. I'm sure your audience would as well. Well, what just actually popped into my head, um, rather than a specific project, is what um, what we've been doing lately, especially because of COVID um, and how we've evolved. As you know, like and the, and the simple imperfection and the A plus that we're talking about. During the height of COVID, everyone was modeling and everyone was buying new furniture and appliances were, you know, backordered by 12, 18 months. And, you know, it was quite busy. Everyone was padding their homes and, and fluffing their nests. And so it was difficult to order any furniture and get it on time. Um, supplies, appliances, like I said, were all delayed. What I looked more towards doing during this time was looking at vintage furniture, antique furniture and refurbishing everything and finding pieces that we could uh, restore and um, refinish and reupholster. And that actually, because the supply chain was so um, belabored, being able to look at antiques and, and, and vintage furniture and shop for these things and be able to put love into them and re Re- rehabilitate them and, and make them more useful felt a lot better. And, and we managed to dodge some of those long lead times because we were repurposing old things um, and making them better than they were ever before. Um, so now I, I, I've always appreciated antiques and vintage furniture, but, but now more than ever, I, I really strive to do that where I'm not just constantly buying new stuff from manufacturers across the country or an out, um, outside of the, the country. I'm, I'm, I'm looking locally and finding things and looking at the potential of what would happen to them if I refinished them or maybe modified a leg or changed the, the fabric and restuffed it so that we're not just constantly creating waste. What we're doing is we're taking things that already exist and making them better and making them last even longer. What would you like to share with your uh, your audience today, John, that we may not have talked about or shared? Mm, I don't know. I feel like I've talked about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great to hear. If, there, no. if there's anything, a thought, an idea, a project, anything you'd like, again, like to share with your audience that uh, you know, it's important to you or that you value in, in architecture and design, we'd love to hear it. Well, I think 
following what I just said, I think uh, being able to not constantly buy new stuff, but to just be able to reuse, recycle, and and, and uh, rejuvenate some older things and pieces is really going to help not continue to contribute to the to the waste and the and the, and the the vast consumerism that's happening in in our country. Um, being able to just appreciate uh, also editing your life too. And maybe not, you don't need a new piece of furniture. You don't need new this or change that, but maybe taking away some of the extra stuff that you have and just being able to live with less so that it feels bigger and wider and more relaxing as opposed to buying more stuff or getting more stuff to, to seek as a solution to what the problem may be. It may not be that you need a new anything. It might be here and you just need to clear out some of the clutter. (laughs) That's the state I'm in now. No more clutter. And I accumulated a lot during COVID. So that's, that's like the, the next phase out of it is just being able to edit our lives and focus on what's essential. As I said, John, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you. Thank you very much for being here. Truly. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Outstanding. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast. Our guest today has been John Dela Cruz, owner, principal of the award-winning Dela Cruz Architecture, Interior, and Design. John creates interiors that are truly unique to each project and each client. Over the past 20-plus years, John's worked with the Bay Area's top design firms, successfully leading projects throughout the United States and even the world, commercially, industrial, restaurants, event centers, venues, and private residences nationwide. For more information, feel free to visit his website at dlcid.com. That's dlcid.com. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is recorded in the offices of Sierra Clad in Redmond, Washington, and on location. The executive producer and host is yours truly, Tom Dioro, and our chief audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. We look forward to you joining us again next time. Thank you for listening. Cereclad is a high-performance fiber cement siding system in one size with triple coat technology and 365 days of self-cleaning, along with a 20-year fade limited warranty. Cereclad also offers hundreds of design options. For more information, feel free to visit cereclad.com.